Hi everyone, uh, this is just after Christmas, we're in my house, Andrew's popped up from Cornwall uh, and we're going to do a nice little podcast for you. Uh, Andrew's just going to give you a bit of background about why we've picked this topic. Hello, um, Merry Christmas everybody, I hope you had a good couple of days, uh, I hope Boxing Day was, was, Boxing Day is actually my favourite day so I hope you all enjoyed Boxing Day more than Christmas Day. Um, so the reason why we're here today is to talk about uh, Reganuary. Uh, regenerative and January combined um, and this is following a, a social media post that I saw that had the word veganuary uh, crossed out and replaced with regenuary so there's a there's a move towards dry January um, and not drinking alcohol and then there was a second move that followed that looking at just eating a vegan diet for the month of January which has ultimately been replaced with a regenerative diet so i think it was a, a good topic of conversation to start the new year uh, as we mean to go on smashing right let's get to it then right like we've got all the greetings out of the way happy christmas all that sort of bollocks so uh, we're now into the january and uh, i suppose a heads up for everyone here got to claim the interest i am a vegetarian have been for 40 odd years um it's not for any political reasons it's mainly because i hate vegetables <laughs> <laughs> and it's my aim in life to destroy as many as possible no it's not it's just like a it's a spiritual thing man i just don't want to eat a cow so that's me you, you know you've got me up front but i have no qualms at all about other people eating animals or you know stuff like that or doing whatever they like with animals <laughs> that's for a whole different We're podcast say, yeah, that's another yeah, yeah. podcast that, that is for january but anyway, so yeah, so Andrew explained, um, we're sort of tying this around um, veganuary, uh, about veganism, about the whole livestock argument uh, and about regenerative, because one of the main key um, buzzwords, if you like, is integrating livestock into uh, your agricultural system to be regenerative. So that's the starting point up front. I've been arable all my life. Uh, I, I don't know much about livestock, so I guess I'm going to be asking more questions. Andrew is a dairyman. He's got history of sort of like working on farms and, you know, there's a lot more about the insides, definitely more about the insides of cows, probably more than he should do. And yes. um, so, again, yeah. Different I, podcast. <laughs> again, probably the same one as before. Welcome to the January. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's start cracking on. I mean... This isn't going to be a vegan bashing um, podcast, this episode. Um, there are issues uh, with veganism. Um, even as a vegetarian, I've got issues with um, veganism. But it's not about bashing the vegans. It's kind of putting things into scope and coming back to how it should be regenuary and not veganuary. So, yeah. Or even for me, locanuary. What the fuck is it? Yeah, locanuary. throw another one. So talk about regenerative. You should be eating local. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which doesn't quite fit with January. There might be a month where it fits a little bit better. Yeah, that's pretty maybe. poor. I'll let somebody I else wish we, I wish anyway. we had an editing function <laughs> yeah. on this podcast or whatever. Unfortunately, that's, no. that was a bit yeah. of a brain fart there. So, low January. Yeah, yeah but no, so. I think that's when we look at the diets that we need to be eating and consuming. Um, I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer and anybody can eat whatever they want. You know, my... my girlfriend is uh, pescatarian which really 
Does that mean she was born years. in March? <laughs> she was born in March. <laughs> oh, right. That's a good, good guess. Uh, so she'll eat fish, but not meat. Yet fish, in my mind, is a meat. Yeah, So absolutely. what's the difference? But um, species is. The, the, there's no right or wrong answer. You can eat whatever you want to eat. I think it's the reasons why people are vegan or vegetarian that I may have issue with. You know, what is the reason for a particular diet? Um, <laughs> and I think if the reasons for, for example, if you're a vegan because you want to save the world, um, I would suggest that you might need to reassess your life choices um, and the, the publications that you read. Have a wash, get a job. <laughs> are we going to assume there aren't many <laughs> vegans listening? I'm sure there are some. And, and I think that's the point is, is for me, it's about eating whole foods and ho eating whole foods that are local to you. So if that means that you're next to a dairy farmer who's producing, you know, some really nice, the cows are out grazing, pasture fed cattle, possibly low, low inputs in regards to cereals or cake, for example, um, bought in feed. So if they're a pasture based, pasture fed animal, the milk's going to be really nutritious, especially if it's like a Jersey cow. Um, they're going to have some really good quality, nutritious milk, cheese, butter, etc. Why wouldn't you be eating that? Yeah, no, absolutely agree. So from what I can see, there are th yeah. two or three arguments for being a vegan. Uh, spirituality, so you mm. don't want to eat animals, uh, yep. similar to what uh, I am. Um, you want to save the world and you think that, um, you know, it's um, by doing that you're you're changing um, agriculture and you're saving the planet. And um, I guess there's um, like a protest against the current, what you see as being the current system of agriculture. Anti-establishment. Oh, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> got a dictionary for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you got something for Christmas. But... Yeah, so that, so I don't, I don't really want to get political. So we could examine, you know, if if people think that the, the PR for farmers is pretty poor as it is, I don't, I don't want to go down that avenue because um, we're not going to solve that in this podcast. But I think the environmental aspect of um, veganism and veganuary is an important one. Uh, and it's sort of like the two go hand in hand, the whole political thing with the uh, environmental thing. But I don't think being a vegan, you're going to save the planet. In fact, probably by getting rid of cows, it's the opposite. But this yeah. is where my gap in the knowledge of how cows absolutely, you know, they contribute is and a little the, bit poor. The, this is where in the UK, we have a very different agricultural system to, for example, the US. Yeah. Um, and in the UK, the UK media have portrayed UK agriculture. Um, and when they do so, the, there's been videos on BBC, which is, a you know, supposed to be a taxpayer, you know, completely fiercely independent um, yeah. unbiased. source, unbiased yeah. source of information that are showing US feedlots with thousands and thousands of cows in a feedlot. And they're portraying that as the standard picture of the average farm in the UK. And it just isn't. Mm. The average farm in the UK would have little old Daisy out in the field munching on grass for at least one third of the year, possibly six months, sometimes even 12 months of the year. Yeah, that's just so grass. 
predominantly. Yeah. There will be, you know, different <clears throat> farms have different things. Some will feed just grass. Some will feed a mixture of preserved forages, silage, grass, maize, whole okay. crop, etc. Some will grow their own wheat, which they or, or barley that they can then feed, feed wheat, feed barley to the animals as well to help grow them uh, to, to to increase daily live weight gains, so speed up their growing yeah. process. Um, whereas others will buy in concentrates, um, feeds, which will contain things like soya. Um, which would possibly come from South America. Mm. So there are very different farming systems, uh, which is why the phrase, it's not the cow, it's the how, is yeah. so appropriate, because no two farms are the same, no two farming systems are the same, therefore no two stakes that are produced are going to be the same. Everything is slightly different, and it's knowing where your food comes from and how it was produced that has the biggest impact on the environment. If it was from a feedlot where the cows are fed nothing but imported or um, sort of home, um, not homegrown forage, so it's soya, it's proteins from a different country that's been flown in, it's you know the, the energy, the, the wheat, the barley from a different part of the country, um, the food miles just to feed that animal would be huge compared to um, a cow that's out in the field eating grass. So you mentioned soya. Yeah. So why are UK cows eating soya? Because it's been a very cheap source of protein. Okay, so they don't need to eat soya. They need protein, Yeah. but they don't need to eat soya. Like anything, commercialism comes into play and the economics of everything. So for a growing ration, if you're feeding a growing animal, i.e. a beef cattle, beef cow, and you're growing it, the quicker, the more protein you feed it, generally, the more that animal grows. So the quicker it puts on weight, the bigger it becomes. And if you can get a cow fat quickly, yeah. it's going to be killed quicker, and therefore it's going to be on the plate quicker, right. which is better all round <clears throat> for economics. Okay, but not necessarily for taste or nutritional density. or anything. No, so prime example of that is, personally... I think mutton tastes far, far better than new season lamb. Okay. But new season lamb is sold at a huge premium because it's seen as being uh, the quality meat. Is this our old friend marketing again? Uh, yeah. Back to our old friend marketing. We've marketed new season lamb to be the absolute premium, yet you eat new season lamb, which has probably been pumped full of concentrates to get it out as quickly as possible to get that new yeah, season yeah. premium. Um isn't going to be as tasty or as flavoursome is little old you that's been munching away on some herbal lays and weeds for the last five years um, that's come to the end of a sort of natural life. So what I'm hearing is there is perhaps a bit of an argument for veganism in the sense that it's not a perfect system because it is an economic system. Yeah. And so if you're looking at the animal welfare side of things, they are a commodity. Hmm. But in terms of the environment, it's it's not so solid an argument for veganism. The, I personally think the only way in which veganism stands up from an environmental point of view is if you're only eating high processed foods with you know low quality meat. Yeah. So if you've got low quality meat, and by that I mean the animal's probably been inside its whole life. Yeah. It's been on sort of bought-in feeds. It's never ate any forage as such, or minimal forage. 
um, it's been pumped full of food um, to help it grow as quickly as possible. Not too dissimilar to something like a, a battery chicken. Yeah. Where it's been in a little cage, the less movement that it does, the less energy energy expenditure. Yeah. Therefore, any food that it consumes can go purely on to putting on body weight. Okay, that makes sense. So it's it's this is why it's, it's not the cow, it's the how. That is the case. If you know your local farmer and he has cattle that are grazing for at least six months of the year, you know that they're going to be fed a pretty good lifestyle and their environmental footprint is going to be pretty small. Yep. Whereas if it's come from a beef unit where they've got a thousand cattle or plus, the chances are that it's not had the same lifestyle and the food miles and the emissions are going to be far, far greater. So it's the same with oat milk. If your next door neighbour is growing oats and turning that into oat milk, it's really, really good food for reducing your, your carbon footprint. But if you're buying oat milk that was produced in America, the food miles are far greater. Yeah. It's not as good as buying dairy milk from the farm. And it's, it's a highly processed product. As it's well. highly yeah. processed. So there are instances where almond milk is going to be better than dairy milk. Mm-hmm. But there'll be times when dairy milk is far better than almond milk. Yeah. So it's too broad and there's too many variables to generalise. Okay. Right, well, let's let's not generalise. Let's get a bit more specific. Um, let's add some context. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> when um, So you started this by saying, let's not call it for January. Let's call it Regenuary. Mm-hmm. So how do you think, can you counter, not the argument, but counter the, the points that people make in veganism, how can you say re- regenerative practices actually sort of like solve those problems that are posed by veganism? So veganism, the, the, the vegan diet, and, and again, it's difficult to, I've got to generalise a little bit, you've got to. So something like a, a, a Linda McCartney burger or sausage, and, and I'm sure there are other meat alternatives available I'm sure there are. Um, is a highly processed food stuff yeah. that, that we consume highly processed so the carbon footprint um, and the nutritional value of that vegan sausage is going to be far far less than you know a sausage that your local butcher supplied you yeah um, it's going to be far less nutritional and it's going to be far less uh, it's going to have a far greater footprint yeah. So it, you've got to look at each individual food items in detail and specifically because not all of them are going to be the same. Yeah. A, sauce, a vegan sausage generally is going to be worse for the environment than an actual sausage, but not always. Okay, so one of the arguments um, that I, when I was a hippie student, yeah. one of the, the, the arguments were, well... Oh, you know, for you uh, to grow like a kilogram of beef requires ten kilograms of grain, or so. There's the efficiency yeah. factor. Yeah. So if someone says to you, "Yeah, but you you could feed the world if we got rid of cattle." Yeah. There's all that extra yeah. food. So, yeah. which which is not wrong. You, you know, I think it's nine was the last time I heard nine oh, kilos okay. of grain. Yeah. To produce one kilo of beef. Yeah. We currently produce enough food in the world to feed everybody. 
Yeah. Nobody should go hungry. So we already produce enough food to feed everybody, whether it's meat or whether it's grain is irrelevant. It's the distribution of that food that's the problem. Yeah. So just by reducing the amount of meat we produce and therefore the more grain that we have available isn't going to solve food poverty around the world because it comes back to distribution again. Yeah. So distribution is the, 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 the limiting factor, if you will, in regards to food, distribute, uh, food poverty. So that, for me, is an argument that doesn't make sense. Right, okay. However, I don't disagree. I do not think we should be using grains or not large quantities of grains to produce beef. We can produce beef on something that's called grass, grass. which grows everywhere. How much is this grass? It's actually free. Fucking hell. Yeah, good, I man. know, I know. And I've so seen your this... front garden. You've got a little bit of grass as well. <laughs> Yeah, a little. But there's little nothing bit. eating it. No, no, no. No. So this is the thing. It comes back to how, you know, and and I've mentioned them before, and, and I'll mention them again. Pasture for Life Association, which I don't agree with completely, but I like the principles. They are saying that I don't know what the exact figure is, but a large proportion of the UK is only good for growing grass, meaning you cannot grow arable crops. Yeah. So there's a huge proportion, and it might be as high as 40%, I think, of the UK, don't quote me on that, is only suitable for growing grass. You know that's the quote I'm going to use. On you the carry Twitter on. <laughs> 40% of the UK-ish, roughly, give or take. That's a solid fact. Will grow, is only suitable for growing grass. So we might as well put ruminants, and when I say ruminants, that's your beef, your sheep, your deer, for Camel. example. Camel would be a ruminant that can process and digest the grass that's yeah. grown. Grows for free, grows everywhere. You go to Dartmoor, it's covered in grass. Yeah. What's living there? Horses, sheep, cattle. They're yeah. munching on grass. Yeah. Now, I know Dartmoor's not natural because once it was covered in loads and loads of trees, but the point remains is that it can grow grass. Same you go to Wales on the hills in the valley. They grow grass exceptionally well. You wouldn't want to plough or drive a you know, direct drill over some of the ground um, that's being used for grazing. So there is a place for cattle. Um, they can feed a diet that is 100% sustainable. People always talk about the water usage yeah. of dairy animals. Stand-up cowspiracy. A cowspiracy is the worst thing ever in, in, in sort of Propaganda. spreading these, yeah, yeah. these myths. You know, Donald Trump's got the perfect response to cowspiracy, and that's fake news. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very, very specific to one or two farms. And there are intensive farms in the UK that use huge amounts of water. Can I just say that we neither endorse nor condone Donald Trump for our American <laughs> listeners. It's none of our business. Anybody that heard the last episode, we are definitely apolitical. Yes. Always. Always. Um, so, no, I think it's... It's the cow, and it comes back to if you've got a cow that's living inside for 365 days of the year versus a cow that's outside eating grass for at least six months of the year, there's going to be a big, big difference in their carbon footprint. And actually, when you talk about the water that the animals consume, um, you know, if a cattle's grazing, there's an awful lot of water in every bite of grass that they take. You know, grass might have a dry matter of maybe 25%, which means 75% of its water. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm going to put my vegan hat on. It's a very fetching yeah. hat. Yeah, it's made Suits of you. It's made of recycled tofu strainings. 
It's a lovely <laughs> sort of yes, <laughs> of course hemp. Um, yes, goes that say, and it's a lovely natty beige colour yeah, with a obviously. few little specks of dark green yeah. in it. So with my vegan hat on, I, the the thing that comes up probably more than anything uh, about livestock and I, is CO two. Yeah, and methane. Methane. Yeah. So your greenhouse gases. So surely by, and this is something that I've actually seen, because there's a lot of carbon auditing now, especially mm -hmm. down in these parts of the, this part of the world in Devon. There's a lot of carbon auditing. There's a lot of um, livestock down here. And when people start to do carbon auditing, um, people like um, the National Trust, for example, they see a massive way to reduce their carbon footprint is to shed their livestock. Now, in my opinion, that seems a little that's bit. That's not put them in a shed. That's get rid of them. Oh, well spotted. Good, good <laughs> wordplay. You did get a dictionary. Did. You did get a dictionary. Yeah. Well done. Well that's done. Not put them in a shed. No, let's not put them in a shed. I've lost my track a bit here, but no. <laughs> and it, um, and it but yeah, come on then. Trust. Address this. Address this. I demand it as a vegan. Well, the, the, my, I'm not a vegan. My response to that is quite simple. Is is you look at the the. The global warming and what's caused global warming. There are less cows in the UK fewer. now. There are fewer cows. Yes, correct. <laughs> there are fewer cows in the UK now than there were 20 years ago, than there were 40 years ago, than there were 60 years ago. Cow numbers are dwindling, yet global warming continues. So the numbers, is that an efficiency thing? That it's just they're bred more efficiently now so they don't need as many or it's the demand for them is, is lower? <laughs> The bit of both. Okay. I think there's less dairy farmers. There's less. Fewer. There's fewer, <laughs> fewer farmers. I always get this wrong. You always pick me up on it, and you're correct to do so. There are fewer farmers. There are fewer dairy farmers. There are fewer beef farmers. There are fewer farmers. Full stop. Yeah. And there are fewer animals as well as a result of that. The farms that are left are generally a little bit bigger, um, and there's no doubt that the cows that are being used on farm now are more efficient, so they can get more milk per animal than they ever have before. Uh, but I also think that we are just generally consuming a little bit less in the way of meat produce than we have done previously. Uh, and there are obviously more alternatives to us and available, you know. So the, the, there's a number of reasons why. But the key point is cattle numbers are dropping, yet CO2 emissions, global warming is continuing. So in my mind, the trends counteract each other and it's not even an argument. But I will just go with the argument for now. Methane that's released by animals um, is part of a cycle, part of the carbon cycle. It's constantly cycling. So it goes into the atmosphere. That methane over a period of time, about 10 years or so, will be broken down into CO2. That CO2 is broken down and then it is taken in by the plant during photosynthesis and is used to grow more grass, which is then fed to the animals, which then releases methane within the, the rumen. So it's not quite a closed system, but it's it counts for itself. It's as close to being closed as you can get. Okay. Um, so where CO2 emissions come in is, is when carbon has been trapped and isn't part of a cycle. So for example, coal and oil where it's been buried millions and millions of years ago, deep underground, and it's no longer part of any cycle. It just exists underground. Coal is nothing more than ancient forests that have been buried. 
There was so much CO2 in the atmosphere, trees grew really, really quickly, really tall, and then they all fell over because they grew too quickly and didn't have the root structure to And they didn't them. have the uh, microbes to actually they break didn't. them down. We've both read the same article. Yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. That's not, not unlikely. Yeah. Um, no, so these coal sort of pockets, if you will, under the, under the Earth's surf, surface, buried deep, are not, isn't cycling carbon. So when we dig up coal, or when we pump out oil from deep below the atmosphere, we're taking carbon that was no longer part of a cycle, that was stored deep underground, and we're bringing it and putting it into the atmosphere, directly or indirectly. So it's that breaking of a cycle, um, or, or sorry, not breaking of a cycle, it's that release of CO2 and carbon that wasn't part of a cycle that's causing the problem. Agriculture is in a unique position as it's the only industry in the world that can reduce or even reverse and potentially sequester more carbon than it releases because we're working with the soil. No other industry can release or reduce its CO2 footprint. How can EasyJet or Ryanair or American Airways or airlines reduce their carbon footprint? Well, the only way they can do that is by stop flying. Yep. They're not going to stop flying. No. This Whereas, is where you get offsetting. And so before then, it was trees. Yeah. So, so now people are waking up. Is they'll say to Mr. Farmer over there, you've increased your organic matter in your soil by 2% over the last five years. Good work. Well done. There's a whole raft of benefits that come from doing so. Um, but you've also sequestered an, an amount of carbon. We would like to buy that carbon from you and put it on our carbon footprint on the spreadsheet that we've created to offset all the carbon emissions from flying extremely wealthy people back and forth across the Atlantic. I, I agree, but I think we're straying into something yeah. we've got teed up for another podcast. We'll do that carbon. another time. But this is, this is the cycle. So yeah. cattle are part of a cycle. They cycle carbon through the atmosphere, through the grass, through the animal itself, back into the atmosphere. It's constantly cycling. So that carbon shouldn't, be taken into account when we're doing carbon footprints because it's part of a cycle that's constantly turning and is therefore never a net contributor to carbon emissions in the atmosphere. Okay, no, I think we've got that and I completely yep. agree. So it, we've been going for quite a, a while now um, and I'm just thinking, come back to regenerative agriculture. In, in no, it, it's all, yeah, it's all relevant, yeah. but it's what I'm thinking is, so it, they often state, like um, mm. with buzzwords and bullshit, so livestock, is it a buzzword or is it bullshit? So how does livestock, why is it such an important pillar, if you like, of the regenerative agriculture, sort of like canon? Why, why is it? Well, first and foremost is they eat grass. So a good crop rotation will contain grass. Okay. The reason why grass is such a good crop to have in your rotation is it obviously provides a break for other, you know, you can't grow potatoes followed by potatoes followed by potatoes. That doesn't work. Yeah. You can't have wheat followed by wheat followed by wheat followed by wheat. doesn't work. So you've got to have a rotation. Um, grass is exceptional because of the root structure. Um, it's extremely thick, dense roots. And if you were to apply something like a herbal lay, where you've got different rooting species, different varieties, legumes in there, 
um, you're going to be fixing nitrogen, you're going to be feeding biology, it's, it's a really, really good um, crop to have in your rotation. So you should be having uh, some sort of grass, lay, herbal lay, whatever it might be, into your rotation. If you've got grass, you want to be feeding it to ruminants. Ruminants will cycle, they'll eat that grass, they'll eat that mass that's been grown, and that grass that you see above ground, I would say is 95% sunlight and CO2. Yeah. Maybe even higher than that. I don't know what the yeah. exact figure is, but it's it's almost all sunlight. You're getting all the facts in this podcast. Yeah, 95%, that's a solid fact, <laughs> just like 40% earlier. No, but if anybody quotes us, they're going to look very silly, aren't they? Oh, what, like we are now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I don't know what... So it's... it's, it's energy it's free energy that you're capturing you know what grows grass is sunlight co2 and a little bit of nitrogen which 75 percent of the atmosphere is nitrogen brilliant 78 again quotes yeah quote yeah it's 78.2 yeah yeah (laughs) solid fact and that doesn't vary from year to year at all that is that's that's it that's solid standard you can put that in your textbooks mr scientist (laughs) so it's 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 a really good part of the rotation so having livestock they can eat this free energy they will cycle it through the rumen where the rumen is full of biology, full of microbes, it comes out the back of the animal and gets put back onto the ground, full of nutrients, full of biology. It feeds the next cycle. That cycle continues. So animals are a good thing. I would argue, and this will go against everything that vegans suggest, is that we actually need more cattle, not less. Yeah, cows save the planet. And the reason for that is, is rather than having a few cows producing a lot of milk, Mm. but they're eating compound feeds, concentrates, bought in soya, etc. Let's have lots of cows producing a little bit of milk. They could have a calf at foot. Yeah. So you're not having to separate the calves and the cows. I mean, a vegan told me they strangle the cows. They definitely don't strangle the cows because they want that cow. That cow has a value. They're not clubbed Um, to death like little babies. I'm straying a little bit off topic here. But that's another another argument that vegans will level at at sort of farmers fairly regularly is will you separate calves um, from their mothers at birth? That happens on farm. Yes, it does. It, it, It does, you know, and it's the management practices the management practices, the economics, the economies of scale, the best way to care for that calf, to provide it everything that it needs and to ensure that it lives as long as possible, is to separate it from its mother, um, feed it the colostrum that it needs to ensure that it gets nutrients that it needs um, so it can grow into the biggest and healthiest and strongest animal that it could possibly be. So there is a reason why these animals are separated. I'm not saying that it's right or that it's wrong, but there is a very good reason for it. Um, they're not strangled. They're not clubbed. There were no calves harmed in making of this podcast. Not yet. No, this but time. Bloody cat keeps me awake tonight again. <laughs> so the point I'm saying is that cows play a really important role in the cycle of carbon. Soil health in particular, building soil health, the reintroduction of the organic manures that come out the back of the animal back into the soil you know, the urea, the urine is pure urea, which is a nitrogen source that farmers will pay an awful lot of money for. And then the dung that comes out the back of it, which is full of the fibrous material and full of microbes, is also great for the soil. So it's a really important aspect of a fully functioning, <coughs> working farm, which is why anybody that's practicing regenerative farming practices will have livestock 
cattle or sheep mm. in a rotation. And the best ones would have some chickens in there as well and some pigs. Yeah. They all have slightly different digestive systems. They'll all be producing different manures with different microbes, all adding to the diversity that is needed within the soil. Okay. So that brings... Uh, we're, we're more than half an hour into this. Uh, it's a massive topic. I think we've handled the, the vegan arguments against it uh, and the regenerative side of it, how it's they're beneficial to the soil and carbon fixing and that sort of thing. What if you're somewhere, for example, we're in the UK, so um, over in the east of England, you're in the deserts of Essex, and you know you 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 know you grow largely arable. There's not a cow to be seen, you know, for for miles. Your organic matters are you know dwindling away. What? How can you be regenerative there then? Well, they could reintroduce livestock quite simply. But the land is so valuable. Why would you put and, good, and this is good it. valuable so, land okay, down to grass? You, you've then got to look at, right, every farm has to make a decision as to what they're going to farm. Yeah. Now, some farmers are farming what they farm because their grandfathers before them farmed that particular thing. In the East, once upon a time, there would have been animals. Absolutely. Lots of them. Yeah. You know, it's only we've realized, well, hang on a minute. If we knock down a few hedges, we can have some really big flat fields here that are really good for plowing. Yeah. And then spraying and applying synthetic fertilizers and grow really good crops we still need those crops yeah on the west of the coast of, of the uk and, and england we can grow grass really well yeah the fields are smaller it's hilly it's rocky there's an awful lot of granite here in the southwest you cannot plow dartmoor it's never going to happen you wouldn't want to but anyway so you've got to look at the farmer what does he enjoy doing is he an arable farmer or is he a livestock farmer <laughs> Sorry, talk about farmers, what they enjoy doing, and then introduce livestock. I'm so sorry. I've got a sick mind. Uh, Moving on. Okay, I'll, I'll edit podcast, this out. Different I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll edit this out. Yeah. No um, one needs to hear that. So the farmer, if you've got a farmer that, that loves working with animals, and then you tell him to sit in a tractor for 12 hours a day, he's not going to do it. Yeah. It also works with the land. If you've got a land that's suited to arable farming, and is really good for growing you know, lettuce mm -hmm. or spinach or onions, why would you then go and put a load of cattle in there? You wouldn't. It doesn't really make sense. Certain yeah. fields and certain farms suit certain types of farming. However, the soil still needs to be fed. And when I say fed, it still needs organic matter. So you've still got to look at the same way of treating the soil and working with the soil, whether you're on the east of the country or the west of the country. So sometimes it might be a case of, well, okay, if I'm going to grow my arable crops, I need to replace the organic matter that, that's potentially being lost, that's feeding my microbes. Um, so I need to work with a poultry farmer in the West yeah. or a dairy farmer in the West and we'll do a straw for muck deal. Yeah. We'll send straw one way and we'll send muck the other way. And then the argument comes, well, hang on a minute. What about all those road miles, all the yeah. fuel that's being used, all the emissions from that? You're building and capturing carbon in the soil but you're burning more by driving back and forth the country. Mm. So you've got to look at this, and the only way in which you can build organic matter, either organic manures or through livestock. Okay. Well, not, no, not necessarily through livestock, through herbal lays, for example, cover mm -hmm. crops, organic manure, green manures. Yeah. There are other ways of building organic manures in the soil other than livestock. Livestock are probably slower. the quickest and yeah, easiest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There is another option is... We could look at reusing food waste more effectively. 
yes, again, this is probably another potential um, podcast coming up, but that is one of the major issues is food waste. There's so much wasted, so much wasted. 900 million tonnes of food waste produced in the UK per year. 900 million tonnes of food waste used as an organic fertiliser a year would go an awfully long way to building organic matter, maintaining organic matters and producing the next crop that we all then need to eat of which 20% will probably waste and I again. Think, I think I wasted about 900 million tonnes of Brussels sprouts <laughs> just this Christmas alone. You're not alone. Disgusting little bullets of filth. You're not alone. But <laughs> organic matter, soil health is important, whether you're on the east or the west. Okay, your farm might naturally be suited to one type of farming. Fine. I agree with that. You might prefer one type of farming over another. No issues with that whatsoever. You still need to consider soil health. So that's coming down to principles. So I'm sort of like yeah. looping us back to the start. So yeah. veganism yeah. is built on your principles. Yeah. And it sounds like then marketing aside, yeah. uh, regenerative agriculture comes down to your principles yeah. as a farmer. Yeah, absolutely. So, so coming back to the the whole proposition that started this podcast, do you think it's valid to say that we should say it's not, Vaginuary. I'm sorry, I know it's not that. I just so much enjoy saying it. It's actually uh, regenuary. Do you do you think the two are opposites? Do you think they complement each other? Do you think? I mean, from my point of view, it seems that veganuary would not allow regenuary, but the other way round, it's probably a little bit more open-minded. Definitely, and I think a good uh, regenerative diet would include an awful lot of vegan foods, yeah, vegetables yeah. predominantly, um, but it would include some milk from yeah. the little cow Daisy who lives in the barn. Yeah. Um, you know, it would contain some meat from little old Doris who unfortunately passed away over the winter and we've used... That is an meat. animal, by the way. That, that is an animal. That is yeah, my yeah. aunt. Doris was the, the, the you that sort <laughs> yeah. of had... Uh, lambs for the last 10 years and it's yeah. just come to the end of a natural life yeah um you know so i think there's a place for it uh but i would agree with that i think i don't think vegans would acknowledge or allow regenerative foods mm-hmm. but regenerative foods would absolutely welcome vegans yeah to the table and say yeah come and join us for our um, christmas meal if you will yeah um 100 yeah. okay so there's not, there shouldn't be a conflict there. It all comes down to how broad-minded you are. Yes. Yeah. If you're so closed-minded that you won't consider anybody else's opinion to be have any merit at all, and this is the point of our podcast, is that we are completely open-minded to everything and everyone, all types of agriculture, um, you know, all types of people, religions, etc., etc. There's nobody right or wrong. It's their opinion. Yeah. We can disagree with that opinion. We can disagree with vegans wholeheartedly. And I would never be a vegan. I'd love to and fight one. It'd be inter- so weak. <laughs> It'd be such an easy fight. I was only joking. I'm complete passive. Pacifist, honestly. Sorry, you were no. saying. So it's, it's, it's having that open-minded. If you're completely closed off to the possibility, the faintest possibility that somebody else might know or do something differently to you that might actually be good for you, but if you've already decided in your mind that, no, I'm not going to do that, 
then you're potentially missing out on something that could be really valuable. Yeah. No, it's the same in agriculture. It's the same when you're thinking about what you eat for food. It's the same in any level of society. You need to remain open-minded and open to the possibility that somebody else might just know a little bit more than you or have some insight that you hadn't thought of. Um, and you might go away thinking, actually, that's a good idea. I might give it a go. Yeah. No, but do no. what's right for you. So our concluding thoughts, uh, we've done nearly 40 minutes of talking uh, in this podcast. There's, there's a lot to talk about. We've given you some <laughs> rock solid facts. Yeah. We've given you some rock solid facts in this podcast. So yes. hopefully through this, it will give you some food for thought based on those scientific evidence led right. Facts. Pun intended. Food for thought. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're not saying what's wrong, what's wrong, what's right. It's just, we just want to get you thinking. Um, it's just January. That's the bottom line. But that's boring. It is, but it's just January. We want November. Uh, do we? <clears throat> I like what November stands for. And There's I, also... I like what the January, the January stands for. Um, We've not mentioned old... Fanuary. We haven't. <laughs> I think there's some people That's... out there who know what that is. <laughs> it is ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just January for all of us. Yeah. What we do in January is entirely up to us. Yeah. You know, we just have to make an informed decision that suits us. Yeah. And hopefully we can inform a few people that might have thought, oh, I'm going to go vegan and only eat oat milk or almond milk or yeah. only eat avocados from california um and here we are in the uk yeah it, it doesn't quite work you've got to think about it you've got to have a slightly more broader mind absolutely to make these decisions yeah you could have a perfectly good butcher in your village with locally sourced completely regenerative yep. beef and yet yep. you'd rather get an avocado in from california you've got to eat and the other spinach to get the same nutritional values you do from one little small juicy yeah. steak yeah well cooked yeah not overdone <laughs> rare getting into medium rare personal right. sort of like taste you know. <laughs> anyway <clears throat> I think we should probably draw a line under this uh, get involved in the uh, discussion we're on Instagram at ag bullshit but the I is a one. Oh, okay yeah they won't let us do swear words on, no, no swear on words Instagram. allowed so yeah do you want to spell it out then for, AG in, for the Americans B <laughs> I'm so sorry. I love you, really. If they weren't listening before, they're not listening now. So We're sorry. not anti-Americans. No, we, we love Americans, honestly. Honestly, we do. Just not Trump. Look, this is apolitical. <laughs> Get on spelling the, the Instagram. Joking. Uh, Instagram is <laughs> at agbullshit, A-G-B-U-L-L-S-H-1, the number one, T. Cool. And so on Twitter, it's at agbullsh. So that's A-G-B-U-L-L-S-H. So just get involved. Uh, we've got this app thing. It's um, Anchor. Uh, so we can phone you and have... If you want to get involved, uh, just get in touch. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. You don't want to hear from us non-stop for the next however many months that we're going to continue no. doing this. You want to get involved. You want to hear from yeah. other people with other opinions uh, who more than likely know more than what we do. Yeah. Uh, they need to. Ch you need to challenge us, and, and we need to challenge you, so we can get to the bottom of things. So please, please yeah. do. And there's a big prize for whoever does. 
<laughs> no, there's not. I don't know why. No, no, yeah, we'll there might be. We yeah, might, might come up with some yeah. homemade yeah. Uh, prize. I'll send you a, a print of my arse cheeks. There you go. Yeah, I don't think you get many people apply. Well, people might. They might. They might it's be into pretty that. Niche, pretty it's niche. Very, <laughs> it's very niche. But it's there for the offer. Just yeah. Yeah, we might put a picture of that up on Twitter to to, to entice <laughs> people in. Guess who's shaving his ass tonight? <laughs> anyway, enough yes. of this frivolity. Enjoy Regenuary. Enjoy Fanuary. Enjoy whatever. Just enjoy yourself. Uh, it's the start of a new year. It's a lot of hope ahead of us. Yes. Just get involved. Yeah. Have fun. Keep thinking. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Ta-ra. Bye-bye.